Hi, it's Alyssa. And it's me, Lena, from across the pond, because I guess I live in England now. I'm kind of English. Like, I'm a bit of a Meghan Markle, but more of the people. That's nice for you. You're about to hear a brand new episode of The C Word. We hope you enjoy it even though we've given up on our images. And we invite you to join us for all episodes of The C Word on the Luminary Podcast app. Luminary Premium is the only place you'll find all episodes of The C Word, as well as other premium ad-free shows that you can't hear anywhere else. My very good friend, Russell Brand, since I live in England, we're close, has a podcast there called Under the Skin. I love it. It's like emotional and interesting and he's adorable. Anyway, go to luminarypodcast.com to learn more. Dot com. Hollywood's worst onset diva. Taking that shiat crazy to the next level. A savvy publicity whore. A mess of epic proportions. Still crazy after all these years. Delusional. A complete tire fire. Biggest cunt in the world. This week, we're talking about Sean Young. Mary Sean Young. You want to know if I'll survive? Welcome back to The C Word, season two, a luminary podcast production. Hey, this is a show where we discuss women whose society deemed mad, sad, or just plain bad. We attempt to untangle who they really were beyond their wild reputations. Basically, we're going to talk about women who've been called crazy by sifting through the cultural trash heap of history one rumor at a time. I am total fucking rich bitch Lena Dunham. And I'm Alyssa Bennett, historian of bad behavior. And we will never call you crazy. Before we get started, we don't claim to know all the facts, folks. We're just passionate students of these interesting women, and we are trying to focus a lens on how and why these women achieved their wild notoriety. This is a discussion about what various people have said about these women over the years, and we are not saying that every statement or account we'll be discussing is necessarily true. So if you hear something that piques your interest, we encourage you to do your own investigation. We're clearly sympathetic. Don't get angry at us. Our hearts are in the right place, and together we can try and get to the bottom of what has been said about these women over time. Speak for yourself. Now on to Sean Young, Alyssa. Sean Young had a talent for getting in trouble. You were considered a difficult as an actress. The Batman Catwoman Catfight. I don't know how not to be controversial. The young girl with a passion to perform and a talent for rubbing people the wrong way. What are five things we need to know about Sean? Number one, Mary Sean Young. That's her real name. I love it Do so you have, much. What's your real name, Megan? <laughs> she was once Ashley one of Lena Dunham. <laughs> Great. When she was once one of Hollywood's brightest stars, she got her big break when she was cast in Blade Runner at 22 years old. Two, but she liked to tease people, and whenever anyone called her hot, she was kind of like, "Yeah, that's true," and it started to rub people the wrong way, as it kind of sometimes does. Anyway, so from there, there are these rumblings that she's difficult and that she was arrogant. Number three, her reputation really suffered when actor James Wood sued Sean in 1989. He alleged that she was harassing him by sending him untoward mail, including photographs of dead people, mutilated animals, and a bloody doll that was left on his doorstep. 
Number four. Then in 1991, when she couldn't get an audition to play Catwoman in Tim Burton's Batman Returns, she stormed the Warner Brothers lot and famously yelled, Lena, will you do this part? This part belongs to me whether you like it or not. I am Catwoman. You're actually just a Catwoman. I (laughs) am a Catwoman. True. Number five. Is she ashamed when the VHS tape of this is released? No. Sean goes on the Joan River show as Catwoman and delivers an in-character monologue to Tim Burton directly. Everyone thinks she's bonkers. She's an outcast in Hollywood, and she remains one to this day. So what's the real story? All right. So Sean Young, Mary Sean Young, (laughs) was born in... Louisville, Kentucky, 1959. I saw you struggle to pronounce Louisville I because did. we've never been there, guys. I, know. I wanted to say Louisville. Of but course you did. You've only been as far as Rhode Island to, you know, Dusseldorf and I back. to go back to college. So she initiated her first controversy pretty early on in her career as a performer when she did a ballet recital for her high school and she had on some kind of, you know, transparent dress and a pair of white tights, but no underwear. So everyone saw her pubic hair and they were like, not here, Mary Sean Young. (laughs) So not here. I just want you to know that I got in huge amounts of trouble at St. Anne's School because during the performance of a student directed play in which I played a fourth grader, I decided to take my prop of cheese doodles and rub them around in my belly button. And I was taken to the principal's office and told that I was a distraction and that I had body dysmorphia and I needed therapy. I'm going to take you to the principal's office just for telling that story. (laughs) So... Even though she was, like, beautiful, she wasn't ashamed of her body. She still couldn't get a fucking date. And everyone was like, did you see Mary Sean Young showing her vagina on stage? I don't want it. So, you know, the question always is, was she too beautiful, Lena? Was she too talented? No. Her classmates say that she was just arrogant and kind of an asshole. Yeah. And what did her classmate recall Sean telling her, Mary Sean? There's a quote from People Magazine. And this classmate recalled that Sean Young had once said to her, I don't even know what I'm doing in this burg. You're all beneath me. (laughs) And they were like, that's nice for you. That's nice for you. So she left the school. I believe she went to a performing arts high school. She studied to be a dancer. And then she was like, you know what? You know what I really want to do? I want to be a model and an actress. (laughs) The dream. The American dream. The American dream. So she was very, very beautiful. She moves to New York. She's getting attention straight away. Everyone's like, did you see Mary Sean Young? She looks great. By 1981, she was kind of like, I'm going to be an actress now. I'm done with modeling. So she's cast as Rachel in everyone's favorite Sean Young movie, Blade Runner, where she plays this unusual character. If you've never seen Blade Runner... I've never seen it in its entirety. No shame. Sean Young plays a sexy, hot android with very iconic hair who falls in love with Harrison Ford. So she gets this big role. It's a breakout. She's like a very young star. And she's fresh to our eyes, which is always a a benefit to a young actress. She's 22. We've never seen her before. And here she is lighting up the stage in this much publicized and very important movie. Right. But... The problem was that the more famous she got, the more everyone realized that she could not keep her mouth shut. She couldn't be beautiful and talented without being abrasive and 
and kind of rude. And the thing about her was that she really liked to tease people, you know, and I love that you said, like, she didn't act like a baby. She acted like an adult woman who was like, you know what? I'm not going to, like, accept this attention graciously. I'm going to deflect it and be kind of a bitch back to you when you compliment me. Right. Researching her made me remember this thing that I did when I was a young, beautiful woman. My favorite. Many years ago. So I was hanging out with my bad influence friend, who I don't know if we've talked about her, but she'll come up again, I'm sure. I know about your bad influence friend. She's bad. Yeah. So we were hanging out in this bar that we always went to and there was this young guy who was hanging out with us at a table and he had on this plaid shirt that had a big rip down the sleeve and so I thought like I'm beautiful and young and sassy enough that I can just rip the sleeve off this guy's shirt and he's gonna think it's hot but you know what (laughs) it wasn't fucking hot he was mad at me he wanted to kill me so this is like a Sean Young thing that she did over and over and over again I relate to this heavily because a huge trauma in my life is that I had at camp when I was 14 this mountain bike instructor and he got really mad at me because at like the final camp picnic when I was trying to flirt first I hoisted his underwear up the flagpole he was like this is annoying but I'm not going to kill you then I like teased him a lot about how he used too much pomade in his hair and he was like whatever and then finally I walked up to him and smeared peanut butter across the back of his shorts Yes, and he screamed these are my only shorts (laughs) these are my only shorts and then I remember leaving camp in my parents Volvo and looking out the back and he was just (laughs) glaring at me so it's like that it's like you do this thing that you think is gonna make someone think that you're like a sassy bad girl but they're just like what a fucking asshole you're just like you're horrible why did you do this right you're horrible why did you do this so she's why did you release the canoes is what my counselor asked me why did you untie all the canoes and release them into the lake and now I have to chase them now I have to go chase them yeah Yeah. so she's like releasing everything into every lake that she can find because she's hot but you know what the appeal doesn't kind of last nope because people thought she was getting way too big for her britches because you know hot people are supposed to be quiet and stupid and modest and like say like we don't even know how we got this way i feel like i'm such an ugly duckling and go on a talk show and be like i'm awkward i'm awkward i'm awkward and sean young was just not gonna play that game right and we want sean young to play that game because we're already jealous of her like everyone's already jealous of people that seem to have everything so then she looks like she already got a nose job just from being oh, born. That nose oh it's so sharp it's like the punctum of her face it's amazing punctum? She still has it. you are so smart you don't need to go back to college i'm going back to college so in 1985 she goes to do like a shitty movie It's like for TV. It's probably kind of beneath her. They pay her a lot of money. But the ultimate payoff is that she meets a Hawaiian prince. He wasn't really a prince, but she thought he was a prince. He was a prince to her. He was a prince to her named Robert Lujan. So they got married. They stayed married until 2002. And then they got remarried again in 2011. Her career is going well. She's cast in a Kevin Costner movie called no way out and everyone is calling her the most beautiful woman in america and the next rita hayworth but she's got an attitude problem and it follows her around so people interviews mary sean young who's now just sean young Mm -hmm. about this movie that she's in with kevin costner and she says say it nobody could have played that part better than i and everyone was like that's nice for you. <laughs> so in 1987, Sean Young was in Oliver Stone's Wall Street in the role of Michael Douglas's wife. 
It was rumored that on set, Sean felt she would be better cast in Daryl Hannah's part, which was as Charlie Sheen's love interest and the bigger role, and kept pushing the point to, like, everyone on set. She was like, don't you think Daryl's not doing a great job and I would be better in Daryl's part? Yeah. I mean, I think she tells the story a little bit differently, but we weren't, I mean, we weren't there. We We don't know. We weren't there. But it's not really going over that well because she hasn't won many fans on set. So she's rubbing people the wrong way. She has some kind of altercation with Charlie Sheen, which culminates in him putting a post-it note on her back that says, I am the biggest cunt in the world. And she walked around with it on set until Michael Douglas ripped it off. Yeah. So as usual, Charlie Sheen causes the problem. Michael Douglas saves the day. Let's never forget that Michael Douglas got cancer from eating a woman out, he said. Bless. Yeah. So everyone was annoyed with her. Everyone hated her. She was the biggest cunt in the world to Charlie Sheen. And she started to irritate Oliver Stone, too. And he fired her. Oh, my God. And as a result, she had a smaller role than was originally written. And he went on to say that she stole clothes from wardrobe and had some kind of mental breakdown in the Hamptons, which, as we all know, is the last place you want to freak out. No, because everyone's going to see you there. Talk you can't about even it. go to, like, Citarella without everybody just staring at you. They probably don't even have a McDonald's bathroom. No, they have, like, hide yourself in. They have, like, a Dean and DeLuca outpost. Right. It's really stressful there. So... Sean kind of presents her own version of these events in her E! True Hollywood story. Alyssa's favorite show. E! Call me. You'd be such a good host. So she says that Sheen hated her because she teased him. Actually, like in the E! True Hollywood story, there's this part where she's like, she she tells the story of what happened. And she says that he was on the phone with his girlfriend and she went in the background and went, oh, baby, baby, I want you, baby. (laughs) And she tells the story and says that she thought it was very funny. You watch her telling the story and you're like. That's not funny. It's not funny at all. It's and not I would funny. Hundred percent, do it. It's not funny. I, you can do it later today. So she had alienated everyone, but she thought that she was telling a joke. So maybe like the pieces didn't really fit for her in her imagination. She claims that she encouraged Daryl Hannah to go on strike about a revealing dress that she didn't want to wear. So people are still annoyed with her. People have been annoyed with her from fucking high school. From the minute that she came up. And I actually... In those white tights with her bush hanging out, they were annoyed with her. One time my oldest friend said to me, it's no wonder that people hate you on the internet. People hated you in preschool. And like, I really heavily relate to this Mary Sean Young thing where it's like, it's not like it crept up on her. This was her attitude forever. And she was fooling nobody. This is like a miasma that has followed her. And also, there's a sense like she's very hot, but she's not worth it. But also... She's good enough that she is still getting some jobs. And I think, you know, the kind of part that she played, she was sort of like a complex actress. So she's not yet 30. She's, I I think, probably pretty smart. And she can play these sort of dark, complicated roles. Yep. Um, So she has this, this quality about her that is relatively rare. Before we get further into the story... We have to address a major American cinematic masterpiece. Fatal Attraction. Fatal fucking Attraction comes out in 1987. It put every man who was ever involved in an extramarital affair on watch. Yep. Because they were like, I'm so hot that I made this strange woman fall in love with me and now I can't get rid of her and she wants to murder me and take my life over. 
Yeah. And so, as you say, we have to think about the cultural influences that made everyone go berserk for this story. So and also, can we just say Fatal Attraction would never get made today? Because I think that's true. We understand now that, like, it takes two to tango and the idea that, like, an innocent man was seduced once and suddenly his rabbit's boiling is just like not really I don't know. how life works. Have you works. ever done anything cr- C-word? I've done breakup C-word shit all the time. Well, remember when I asked you if you wanted to take my old key to my old apartment and go in and pretend to be ghosts over my ex's yeah, bed? I loved that. And you were like, let's do it. I want to do it. But again, that's an instinct that not everyone relates to. I think everyone does relate to it. Some people are just too ashamed to admit it. Yep. As my dad said, there's no bad thoughts, only bad actions. I and like I, that. Yeah. But I have done some bad I'm actions. I'm having a bad thought about your dad, right? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so enter James Woods. It's 1987. They've just started production together on a film called The Boost, which I've never seen, but I understand it's about a couple suffering from addiction together. Oh, yeah. And they're probably like hot. boosting drugs. I love it's movies like hot. that. It's like Candy with Heath Ledger, where they're just like sweating it out in a corner because oh, they yeah, can't I stop doing the that. drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, give me the drugs and give me the dick. Yep. So she's still going out with Robert Lujan at this point. And James Woods was engaged to another woman who you've never heard of named Sarah Owen. Sorry, Sarah, but it's true. And when people saw James Woods and Sean Young on the set of this movie, they were like, those two are definitely doing it. Yeah. And it's also important to note that both Woods and Youngs have long denied this, but it didn't stop the people from talking. I don't know. I wasn't there. And the rumors, they had this onset romance, and then he ditched Sean when filming was complete, because it's called a showmance. It's happened to me. And he went back to his fiancée. So the Hollywood myth machine was fired up to give us all a story that was better than anything we saw in that movie, The Boost, that you've also never heard of, just like Sarah Owen. So the rumors were, and these rumors were very, very widespread, they were reported in the major gossip magazines of the day, that after Woods dumped Sean Young, he started to get some unexpected gifts that were left on his doorstep. So he eventually sued Sean Young. Yep. And in this lawsuit, he said that he was getting photographs of dismembered animals, photographs of dead people, and a mutilated doll that had its face covered in white makeup and had its neck cut and was covered in iodine so that it looked like it was covered in blood. People said that the doll was meant to reference an abortion that Sarah Owens had allegedly had. It's nasty. Also, That was mean. It was mean. Mary. Can we also just take a moment to imagine you're in your house making that doll and you're like, hmm, white makeup. I think I'm just going to cut off this limb. You know what? I know what? Iodine. Like, it's just... You know what? I can't imagine making that doll. I'm going to be the brave one because I know that you can imagine it too and you just don't want to say it. But nobody knows who I am. (laughs) I would make that doll. And I would help you deliver that doll. I know you would. Yep. I know you would. So... Woods attorneys said that the day after the doll's appearance, a note was left at the door that apologized for the delivery, but indicated that the person who had done it had done so at Miss Young's instruction. And then also that Sean Young was mad that um, it had not been hung from the rafters as per her request. They're like, I'm not getting my full payment because supposedly I was supposed to hang it from the rafters, not just leave it on your doorstep. Okay, so 
Sarah Owen called the police in November of 1987 to report that Woods had held her at gunpoint. So it wasn't all domestic bliss. It wasn't like Sean Young had ruined their perfect love story. Anyway, she didn't press charges. So Woods fired a $2 million harassment suit against Sean and the tabloids were off to the races because that's what sells a paper. Yep. Sean denied everything. This is kind of my favorite part of the story is that she did admit to sending Sarah an informational article about how smoking gives you wrinkles. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So Woods filed a $2 million harassment suit against Sean and the tabloids just went for it, as we know. And everyone was like, this Sean Young bitch is fucking crazy. People thought, okay, so looking back at her filmography, I think especially starting with Blade Runner, where she plays like this kind of unusual character. And then there's like all of this sort of these rumblings in the press that she's difficult. She would give these interviews, even at the height of her fame, where she would say things like the things that we've quoted earlier, where she was like, no one could play this role like me. There's no actress like me. I, you know, I was born to be the best. All these things. So there's already this antipathy that's growing for her. So then when the story comes out in the press that accuses her of sending this malicious mail and gluing someone's dick to their leg, there's already been this sort of precedent set by her own behaviors and by her own statements so that we can all believe it. And it fits into this this sort of persona that we have that she has begun developing for herself, but that we are filling the blanks in on. Absolutely. We've talked about this a lot on the show, but one of our favorite ways to deny our own impulses is when we see them in other people to denounce them. So you think if you denounce someone else's behavior loudly enough, it means you've like separated yourself from the part of you that like would 100% deliver a bloody doll to your ex's doorstep. Right. Or I think you think something like, I might tell my ex-boyfriend's girlfriend that he fucked this girl, but I wouldn't put a bloody doll on his doorstep. I think the other thing that happens, sometimes the way that a man will frame an ex or an affair is that you frame the other woman in these terms that are so objectionable and so ugly and so unsexy that everything in the relationship that made the relationship hot is then represented in this way that makes that person pathetic or crazy. And I wonder this all the time, what my ex-boyfriend's new girlfriends think about me, like what kind of loser they must think I am, because I think that's just what we do. You know, in order to maintain the new relationship, you have to talk shit about the old one. A hundred percent. And I also think that what people often don't talk about is that the reason someone is even able to be tempted into affair, an affair a lot of the time, not all the time, there's as many affairs as there are butterflies. Did it, you just write that? I wrote that right wow. now for you. Star. But by saying my girlfriend is crazy, doesn't give me what I need, withholding, frigid, right. unkind. Right. It makes you feel safe. Like, I'd never do this to a good woman, but I would do this to a fucking nuts woman. Right. So in 1989, Sean and James Woods settle out of court. Sean is awarded $227,000 to cover her legal costs. Both of them continue to deny everything. If you see an interview, even a relatively recent interview with Sean Young, she, if she's approached about this this settlement, she'll say, I've had this surgically removed from my brain. I don't remember anything about it. The strife was over. She moved on with her life. She moved on with her life. Except the problem was that we 
as the public, had been exposed to all of these horrible rumors, this horrible gossip about her. We cannot get the picture of Sean Young as a lunatic out of our heads. And it stuck with us forever. Forever. People would continue to use this relationship and the, the gossip that had surfaced about it as an excuse to kind of suggest that Sean Young had always been crazy. Always in her entire life. In 1988, as Sean is dealing with this huge James Woods bullshit, Tim Burton casts her as Vicki Vale in Batman. This is a huge deal because he just made Beetlejuice. Everyone's all wet for Tim Burton. And they're very, very excited for Sean Young to take on this female lead. Sean Young is really excited about it, too. But while she's doing pre-production on the film in England, she falls off a horse during, I don't know, some kind of horse chasing scene. (laughs) I've never been in a movie. I don't know. She falls off a horse because she just chose to ride a horse, maybe. We can't know. No, it's like, like listen, this becomes like a really defining moment for her when she talks about this moment of falling off the horse on the set during pre-production. She talks about it, especially in Celebrity Rehab, when she has to scrape the shit out of a horse's hoof as a lesson, a life lesson. She talks about this moment like the defining moment that her career went into a tailspin. She broke her collarbone. She broke her collarbone. She can't film this movie. She's axed and she's replaced with... Kim Basinger. Right. And in Celebrity Rehab, when she's scraping the shit out of this horse's horse hoof, the guy who's like leading the the therapy class is like, she's telling the story about how Kim Kim Basinger, Basinger replaced her. And the guy is like, and where's Kim now? Did that do anything for her career? And everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> like, it did. Like, we want to try to make you feel better, but Actually, it really did. It did. Who ended up playing the role? Um, Kim Bay Center. Okay, how's she doing these days? Looks like that role didn't make her career, did it? So she gets over this. She heals. She heals. She heals. And in 1989, she is cast in Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy Sot in the movie theater, but she is replaced after one week on set. Sucks. Okay, so she would later say she was fired because Beatty tried to forcibly kiss her and she resisted. Yeah, she said this on the episode of The Joan River Show, which we'll get to in a minute. Also in a 1993 issue of Playboy. Bless. She did it all. She did it. Listen, she did a lot of things. I have a theory about this and it's going to come up again later. She did a lot of things to try to repair her image and sometimes the things that she did were jokes and sometimes they were interviews and she would maybe repeat the joke many times over and think that by like the third or the fourth time the joke would be funny which I think is in my life a really useful kind of comedy tool I think it can make people laugh but in Sean Young's case it did not and when Sean Young would tell these sort of tales out of school the third or the fourth time people weren't like oh I believe you they were like you're a c-word you are c-word you're c-word sidebar Sean also recently appeared on a frontline episode about Harvey Weinstein and said that in 1992 after starring in Miramax's love crimes that she rejected Weinstein's advances and would never cast in a Miramax film again and I think this brings up a really interesting point which is that We often will dismiss the accusations of women that we perceive to be crazy. And there were a lot of women involved in that case who were Hollywood sort of like icons of nuttiness. An example would be Hoth de la Huerta, my friend from high school, who 
actually has a really strong case against Harvey Weinstein, yet she's one of the people, because she's challenging in other ways, we don't want to see her on talk shows, we don't want to hear her on podcasts, we don't want to read an article about her in The New Yorker, because she challenges us. But then we also have to think of how like legacies of abuse towards young, beautiful women also contribute to their emotional downfall. And I think also, you know, just thinking about the difference between men and women here, I think that if Sean Young were a man behaving like this, the teasing and the sort of arrogance comes off as charismatic. There's something about like a bad young man who's in in the spotlight or in the public within the public gaze that is uh, compelling and magnetic. And I think even, you know, going back to what you were saying about abuse or injury, I've always thought that there are kind of these two prongs, gendered prongs, where I think that when a man grows up after having been abused or having, you know, a difficult life, he kind of projects and lashes out at others and a woman lashes out at herself. So when those roles are inverted and you have this woman who's not going to kind of direct her abuse internally or cut her body or be an anorexic or, you know, do any of these self-punishing things and instead directs that energy outwards, we think it's insanity because it's so outside of what gender tells us behavior should be. I also really like her, what she said her retort to Harvey Weinstein was. She, when he revealed himself to her, she said, you know, Harvey, I really, really wouldn't be pulling that thing out because it's not pretty. And she laughed. She laughed. That's like... That's a good dig. Yeah. Because all men want to be told is that they have a beautiful penis. They love it. They're like, do you like it? Is this the best cock you've ever felt? Do you think that people would like me more if I went on television and said, I've got the most beautiful (laughs) pussy in America? You guys don't know something about me, which is that I may be mediocre looking, but I have the most beautiful pussy in America. (laughs) So anyway... So by this point, this was the second plum roll that it she'd been suck. replaced on. It would suck. Oh, being replaced is horrible. Oh. So she's mad. She's disappointed. And of course, everyone on Earth is like, Sean Young opened her mouth and fucked up her life again. Fucked up her life again. And also, I relate to this because we all have this thing. We do it in our personal relationships where if we're being misunderstood, we try to repeat ourselves and yes. share more and try to make you understand it's our real. motivation. But guess what? It doesn't work on the public. I've tried. People are like, we don't want to hear. <laughs> It. You're People already, are like you're making it worse. You're making it worse. I know you just push and push and push. And like just like you can't follow your friend around the room until she's not mad at you anymore, you can't follow the public around the room until they're not mad at you anymore, which is why you just have to get an expensive apartment and sit in it. It's like putting so much makeup on your face that the makeup starts coming off. Yeah, it peels off in layers. You can't keep it on. And people are like, hey, ghost face. Yeah, so they're like, look at fucking Sean Young, ghost face. Mary. Ghostface Mary. Ghostface Mary, bitch. So everyone hates her. So now she's trying to fix shit, but only making it worse, which leads to the infamous Catwoman this fiasco. Is a classic. I'm glad. I'm not glad this happened because I think that it ruined her life, <laughs> but I'm glad she did it because I think it was good. Yes. Okay. So our Sean, our Sean Mary, Mary Sean made big headlines in 1991 when she heard that her old friend Tim Burton was casting Catwoman for Batman Returns. But she couldn't get an audition, so she decided to take matters into her own hands. So she flew to L.A. from Sedona, and she showed up on the Warner Brothers lot unannounced, dressed in sort of a cat-ish outfit. She's wearing black bike shorts. And why is she holding a walkie-talkie? Because she has to communicate her, the the progress of her reconnaissance mission to, like, her brother who's waiting outside. <laughs> it's so fucking cool. It's so good. It's like a huge walkie-talkie 
It's a classic scene. She looks fucking hot as hell. Who's filming her? I don't like her brother. <laughs> <laughs> She's just it's like her brother is doing everything. Her brother is so... just helping her. And Tim Burton wouldn't see her. So there are not many Hollywood legends or yarns, lores no. that are preserved on VHS tape. But this one is so fucking so cool. you can watch it. She is on the set. She's like, you know, her posture is different. She's bad. She's like mad. Yeah, she's like in Catwoman she's zone. Catwoman. She's mad. Catwoman and, is mad for anyone who doesn't know. And then there's a moment where she passes the VHS holding her big fat walkie talkie. She kind of smiles into the VHS yeah. like, I got this. And it's it's kind of incredible to see someone approach with such confidence, something that is clearly from the outset a bad idea and a disaster. It's kind of a bad idea, but it was kind of a good idea, too. Well, honestly, like, it it could have gone another way. Like, like I know that sometimes people show up dressed as the part at an audition and you're like, cool, this is exciting. And sometimes they show up like they're supposed to play a banker and they're wearing like a suit and you're like, this was a really big mistake that you made. Right. And it can go either way and it can be about the mood of the people who are receiving it. So I really do understand that Sean was like, listen, you're not giving me an audition. You're not giving me this chance. After you ruined my life by putting me on that horse, see me. But then, unfortunately, he doesn't see her. He doesn't see, li- literally. And he gives the part to Michelle Pfeiffer. Gives the part to Michelle Pfeiffer. She's like, it's an iconic role. Yep. Everyone remembers it. And all we have left of Mary Sean Young's attempt at an audition is, This part belongs to me whether you like it or not. I am Cat Woman! <laughs> that was good. That's how it was. That's yeah. how it was, young people. Like it or not. And people do respond like, this bitch is fucking crazy. They I do. mean, it was a wild idea, but you know what? I think Hollywood is wild. And I don't think it's that far out of the realm of what would maybe work were the conditions two degrees different. So you would kind of assume, because she's humiliated over this, right? Like it's on talk shows. People talk about it everywhere. Everywhere. They're like, can you believe this crazy bitch? You would think that she would back away or dial it down. But does she? Nope. What does she do? She puts on a full PVC Catwoman outfit and goes on the Joan Rivers show and delivers a total monologue directly to one Tim Burton. Yes. And let's just say Tim Burton loves a complicated lady. It's not out of the realm of possibility that a woman delivering a monologue directly to him dressed as a cat would go wrong. It's kind of hot. She looks very hot. It's like if I, you know, walked up to like Gaspar Noe and was like, I'm on Molly right now. Do you want to look down my shirt? Like it could work. But this time it didn't. This time it didn't. How dare you not even return the cat woman's phone calls? I don't make phone calls very often. And after all, business is business. And doing good business means that you return your phone calls. It's a pretty simple formula. Timmy. She's also doing a really interesting thing, which is that she's talking as Catwoman, but she's talking as Sean. So she's saying, like, you didn't return my phone calls. She's very obsessed with it's bad business. And I do have to tell you that the best business advice I ever got was from my friend Jane Rosenthal. And she said to me, let them say whatever they want about you. Just don't let them say that you didn't return their phone calls. So I am incredibly meticulous, as you guys may have noticed. I return my texts. I return my calls. I return my emails. Because I know that you can talk shit about me, but I'm not going to let you catch me not cleaning up my inbox. That being said. (laughs) So 
it, there's something about the performance that is she references the bone break from falling off the horse. As you said, she talks about him not returning her phone calls, but she's using this opportunity as a way to kind of lightheartedly, in quotes, address all of these injustices that she feels that she suffered under, you know, the the rubric of Hollywood. So this yep. is the only place and the only real way that she has to talk about her experience of being a difficult actress in Hollywood. And it's to kind of present it in a way that is supposed to be kind of a like a funny joke. Yeah. And she is trying to be sweet and sassy. She picks a comedy show to go on Joan Rivers, but it's not received like a comedy moment. She also consistently calls Tim Burton Timmy, which is an incredible detail. And he's probably like, I'm not Timmy. I've been working really hard to become an English person. Stop doing this. I hate you. Yeah, fuck off. He's like, why did you just rip the arm off of my plaid shirt on national television? (laughs) Why did you smear peanut butter on my emotional shorts? Why? (laughs) So the weird thing is that her interview right after, she kind of pokes fun at herself. She seems pretty self-aware. She talks pretty openly about how Hollywood is dictated by male egos. Sean says, there I was walking along in my career and I just got blasted by everybody's crap. And then at the end of it, I was holding all this crap and I had to say, uh, how much do you want for this crap? It's how much so do you want for this crap? Real. And how everyone much... was like, nothing, Mary Sean, keep it. Do you you want can an... continue to hold your crap. I like walk around with so much trauma around the interactions that I've had with men in Hollywood. In some ways, they traumatize me more than like real trauma I've experienced at like the hands of men because it's like they've twisted my thinking in such a profound way. Well, and the power is so different. Yeah. I think that, you know, as a as an actress, the people that run Hollywood are men, right? And you're kind of at their mercy. And I think in this particular instance, it's an actress who's kind of saying, I've been humiliated at the hands of these men, and this is the only redress that I have. Yep. It's really painful. So then in a 1992 Entertainment Weekly profile, she says, Now, because I don't show up in Hollywood, people think I am really scary and it's hilarious. I hope they continue to say I'm fierce and Catwoman-ish. You know, how wonderful. Right now, I'm trying to think of the next thing I can bubble up into the press. Something to keep the paparazzi waiting breathlessly. So she's trying to reframe this series of missteps as um, something that's still somehow successful for her. And this is the nail in the coffin of her career. It's like every, you know, the thing about the story is that everything she does, someone is like, and that was the nail in the coffin of her career. But here's the thing. We want to keep watching these women. They show up in the press. We want to talk about them. They're thrilling. It's more exciting than being like, Michelle Williams is out in another outfit. Like, I love Michelle Williams. She's an incredible actress. I find it admirable that she keeps her private life private. But, like, people aren't waiting for the next crazy shit she's going to no, pull. No, they're like, will she wear clogs again or no? Birkenstocks today. Yeah. <laughs> so Sean became basically like a total outcast in Hollywood. She was not afraid to talk about it. So this is maybe her her mistake that she makes over and over. And I don't, you know, it pains me to frame it as a mistake, but this is kind of what happened to her career is that she was not afraid to talk about any of these things, and she did so over and over and over again. So in 1993, she did an interview with Playboy that had the Barbie twins on the cover. I don't know if anyone remembers them. 
But she was asked, if you had one day to be bad without consequences, what would you do? And she gives some very revealing answers. Would you tell us what she said, Lena? She says, I'd fly directly to Tim Burton's house and completely demolish it. I'd leave a little message saying the real cat woman struck. Then I would rush over to Warner's former senior exec Mark Caton's office and hold him at gunpoint until the four foot two inch mouse shook in his shoes and hid under the desk and begged for forgiveness. I'd make him apologize for being a phony, fake liar. Then I'd probably leave him tied up hanging from the ceiling. So that was a good answer, but not content to leave it with that. Then I'd visit Warren Beatty. I'd strip him down, tie him spread eagle to the bed and walk away. (laughs) (laughs) Then I'd see Sarah Owen and I'd make her apologize to me for being a lying bitch. Then I'd tie her up, take her over to James Wood's house and tie them up since they're so fond of each other now and then hang them over a vat of oil. And you know what? People were like... It's too much. Dot, dot, dot. Dot Dot ellipsis. It's too much. So her career became pretty bleak. She starts getting shitty roles in B-movies and TV movies. Jim Carrey fought on her behalf with executives and was allowed to put her in Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Okay, She and Robert Lujan have a couple of kids. They moved to Arizona. Yeah. And she and her family moved back to Hollywood Because she was like, now that my kids are slightly older, I'm ready to work again. And casting agents were like, we don't even care. We're not even mad at you anymore. We just don't remember you. We don't remember you and we don't care. So she's in her 30s. Too old to be an actress anyway. Fuck. I mean, as a person, you know what I've noticed? There's like a big uptick in when I Google Alyssa Bennett. Alyssa Bennett age. People want to know how old Alyssa Bennett is. I want to set the record straight. I'm 41 years old. 41 years young. Can you believe this face? I'm 41. I look much younger. (laughs) But even I think like, is it too late for my show business career? (laughs) And I'm not even an actor. No, it's like, but yeah, I think I could be. But it's so beaten into us that like at any given moment, it might be too late for the modeling career. We've only secretly known we were destined for. Right. So she fills her time doing things like playing a black widow on The Young and the Restless. She's in Skating with the Stars. Which is like Dancing with the Stars, like, you know, hidden sister that's kept in the basement. You should do that one. Skating with the Stars? Do Skating with the Stars. Do you respect me at all? I'm going to go on with you. (laughs) And they're going to be like, we thought there were stars here. (laughs) So... She's going to be like, Lena has chronic Lyme, so she can't skate. I'm her avatar. Yeah, so I'm actually going to be skating for her today. But then there's even more bad behavior. In this moment when she's supposed to be resuscitating her career, she's naughty once again. And here are just a couple of the things she's made headlines for in the past couple of years, even. In 2006, she was back in the headlines because she tried to sneak into a Vanity Fair Oscar party by using Jennifer Aniston's swishing dress arrival as cover. She got kicked out. Also, if you look at this on the internet, it's her going like, beep, 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 beep. like she's trying to just like do a real subtle like, like right into the party and it's not working. In 2008, she was thrown out of a Directors Guild of America award ceremony for heckling Julian Schnabel as he accepted an award. She tried to punch someone when they showed her the door. Thank you, Kathy, for sending me this script. Who said that to me? Have another cocktail. I 
actually thought this was hilarious. Yeah, and for those art world Hollywood crossovers over there, you get just how amusing it is. In 2018, this is pretty recent news. She was arrested for stealing two computers from the set of a movie that she was fired from. <laughs> In 2011, she joined season five of Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew for treatment of alcoholism and hardly got any screen time because she was the least fucked up of anyone <laughs> That's there. That's true. She's also gotten political. We have to address this. She spews a lot of kind of wild conspiracy theories, which is like a little C-word. Yeah. It's very C-word. You can't hate Jews. You can't hate Jews. You really can't. Don't and you do also it. can't like They're Donald not controlling Trump. the media. It's just your fantasy. It's not true. Yeah. The news sucks no matter who delivers it. Yeah. And she's go. that's an amazing point. And she likes Thank Donald you. Trump, which is also something we don't really stand for. And I think... You know, when we cover women, I think it's really important for us to say that we're not necessarily in the pursuit of excusing all their behavior or even creating a clear redemption narrative for them. We're actually just looking to sort of think about the ways in which these stories, the stories that are generated about them and the responses to them are specific to like the gendered and sexualized way in which we perceive our stars. Look. James Woods says a lot of fucked up shit, and no one is like, James Woods is crazy. No one says that about him. Also, I no, think No, they're there's... like, James Woods, they're like, you know, don't agree with him on everything. Right. Great actor. So, I mean, the other thing that I think that we have to address is that you can have fucked up politics, you can say fucked up things, you can have bad morals. It doesn't make you crazy. No. It makes you, like, your choices are questionable. Also, the other thing I think we can address is that when, like, Mel Gibson spewed some of the most anti-Semitic shit in the world and then got nominated for an Oscar afterwards because we were like, he's cleaned up his act. Right. They're allowed to come back. I am going to take a wild guess and say Mary Sean Young is not getting nominated for an Oscar soon. I'd love to see it, frankly. No. She's like having an Oscar Meyer wiener, but she's not (laughs) getting a statue. (laughs) One time, that was the best joke ever. <laughs> the worst joke I, I ever loved told. it. Sorry. One time, I was talking to an actress at the Met, the Met Gala. I've been to the Met Gala. I've been actually six times, but um, <laughs> I don't want to make a huge deal about it. But I'm often invited. But um, <laughs> but I was talking to an actress, and I said, "I love your dress. You so gold and shiny. You look like an Oscar." And she wasn't like an actress who's necessarily like known for her um, like. Her gift. Her gift. She's known for other things. And she went, closest I'm ever going to get to one. And I thought that was cool and hot. Yeah, that's hot. But Mary Sean Young didn't think that. Mary Sean Young thought she would and should win an Oscar. Yeah. Alyssa, can I hit your duel one more time while we're talking? Yeah. So Mary Sean Young is pursuing a comeback in the 2000s. No one's knocking on her door. She has this appearance on David Letterman where she talks about waiting for her phone to ring and it never rings. She's like... Hey, Hollywood, call me. And Hollywood's like, unsubscribe. She says, yeah, no one will cast me anymore because I pissed off some powerful men. Please cast me. Which is saying, please cast me, doesn't make anyone want to cast you. It just doesn't. That's like psychology. So she then goes on to perform in an ill-conceived skit, which goes back to what I was saying about how sometimes there's this comedy secret that I know as a funny person (laughs) where you tell a joke once and it flatlines and then you tell it a second time and it still kind of flatlines but then when you tell it the third time people laugh. Because it makes them laugh that you're not giving up. Right. They're like, that's 
that's intrepid and funny. Yeah, they don't necessarily think the joke's funny, but they think, they think you're, you're funny. funny. Yeah. So she does this skit where she dresses up in like a latex Catwoman suit. And she goes out in the street in Hollywood and she has one of those signs that I've only been to L.A. a few times, but I know that it's very famous for people twirling signs in artistic ways. Yeah, people love to twirl they signs, love especially it. on I don't Hollywood think they Boulevard work. if you I go out. I don't see that they work, but maybe they do. So she's twirling a sign. I don't remember what it says. You don't pay attention to the sign because all you can pay attention to is that she's screaming, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. <laughs> And that is also awful because I've been to these late night talk shows. Right. Quite a few of them. And they're staffed by men. Yeah. They're staffed. I mean, obviously, there's like a move to diversify, and that's great. But for the most part, it's guys who wrote on the Harvard Lampoon, and they sit around in a stuffy room all day, fucking eating Cheetos. By the way, side note, the Simpsons writer's room smells like Cheetos and boxer <laughs> shorts. But I went there, too. And thinking of ideas for sketches. They don't care if the sketch makes the guest look good. They don't care if the sketch... No, They just not. want something that's going to make people laugh. And they will do that at your expense. Right. And the idea that Sean Young's probably thinking, they want me on Letterman. This is or a big at deal. at least I'll be on Letterman. At least I'll be, I'll be on a TV. I'll be on a TV. Yeah. And this is what I've always wanted to do. Yeah. And so she agrees to this sketch that's, that's not really in her best interest. It's humiliating. It's not funny. And at least what she did on Joan Rivers was conceived by her. What she right. did here, I mean, was like the, the forced will of some like hive mind of like Harvard guys. And I'm going to take a leap and say she didn't feel good that night. So then... What makes me the saddest about this story is that there isn't a moment where she ultimately breaks free of it because she doesn't have $2.5 billion, so she can't say fuck it with money. No. She doesn't have youth. She can't say fuck it with youth. And she doesn't have, like, a cool sideline career as a shock jock radio host. She doesn't have, like, a cult career outside of literally one role. She can probably go to, like, one convention and sign Blade Runner posters. And more recently, there was a sequel to Blade Runner. Blade Runner 2049. They brought Blade Runner back, and they brought her part back, but they didn't even give the part to her. They just CGI'd, using special facial recognition technology or whatever, Sean Young's young face onto the body of a younger actress. Which I think is also really interesting, because within the narrative of... Blade Runner, this character is not supposed to age. And I think that we take this construct and we kind of apply it to Hollywood and we apply it to her career where she's not supposed to age. She's not supposed to be vocal about her opinions. She's not supposed to tell stupid jokes that nobody laughs at. She's she's supposed to be this sort of construct that is easy to look at, easy to be around, does her job and goes home and doesn't stir the pot. Yeah, she was supposed to be like, you know, polite replicant forever. Forever. But the thing that Mary Sean Young did that was the biggest curse also was have outsized confidence in herself from the beginning. People don't like that. And in mediocre men, it's like one of the cutest qualities. My mom once told me a story about Julian Schnabel introducing himself to her at a party and saying, my name's Julian, I'm from Texas and I'm a very famous artist. If a woman said that, people would be like, we're carrying you out of New York. People would be like, did you hear that, bitch? Yeah. Yeah. And like, the thing is, is that even her classmates from high school, the only thing they had to say about her was like, she liked herself too much. Arrogant. Yeah. And we still like, like, do you, I don't know. I don't know this, but do you have trouble taking a compliment? 
No, I love them. You do? I, I love, love to them. give them to you. I, I love feel like I deserve them. Sometimes I give you a compliment and you say, I know, which is my favorite yeah, thing in the world. I know. I know. But I also think that another Sean Young thing is that she also never painted herself. Like, even when she talked about her struggles with having her penis, with having with, with having her <laughs> penis shown to her, even when she talked about her struggles, like Harvey Weinstein exposed himself to her. I think we can all agree that probably happened. Yeah, I think I, that happened. I think, I mean, we weren't there, but, you know, I think that the thing is that she from the very beginning, never made herself a victim. And one of the clear paths to redemption for women is to make themselves victims. Right. Like, I didn't mean to do any of that. I was beaten by my father. I had just been divorced by my powerful right. husband, and he was cheating on me, and I was alone. My you know, child was in peril, whatever, like trying to explain away their behavior. And besides... Sean Young, it's like, this is how I am. Yeah, she's like, I kind of drink too much, but I'm going to be cool about it. Right. And that also gives, like, people nowhere to go with forgiving her. Right. And I think that's a really important thing. Like, one of the things I've been really cared a lot about doing is never treating being sober as something that I did because I thought I was a bad person and I had to change. I got sober because it was no longer fun for me to do drugs. I didn't get sober... Because I was like, I don't like the way this is impacting other people. That came later, and I did come to some of those conclusions. And I do think I did things when I was using that I wouldn't have done when I wasn't. But people want to hear the version where you're so, 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 so sorry. Of course, because then it gives them the opportunity to say, I forgive you. Or I don't forgive you, both of which can be cashmere sweaters for the soul. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I wish for Sean Young... That she knows that there are people who saw her and appreciated her, not just in her role as Rachel the Replicant, but in the way, like, I thought her monologue on Joan Rivers was a piece of comedic genius. I agree. I think she was working a lot of different angles, and that if you were an informed viewer, it came out perfectly. Lifetime, give Mary Sean Young some more movies. I'll we watch them. We want her them. to have them. Yeah. But Mary Sean Young, do us a favor. Don't steal the computers, not because we think it's a bad thing to do, but just it'll make it easier for you to stay on the screen and do what you love. I also want to say that one of the things I find interesting about Mary Sean Young is she seems hell-bent on constant revenge, which is a very (laughs) specific, cool cool character quality. Yeah. Like, she's like, I'm not just going to walk away from this movie where I was fired. I deserve two computers. Yeah. And, like, she has an attitude that the world owes her something. Yeah, we And do. when she's not given it, she takes it. And we do. Like, the other the day I was lying. sweater. The cashmere sweater for the soul. The other day I was lying in bed with my friend, and she randomly said, I was lying in bed with my friend, my mom, and she randomly <laughs> said, out of the blue, Jennifer Aniston's given a lot to us. I sure hope, I know, he, she said, my friend said, my friend said, do you have any friends? <laughs> I'm so hot. As a, as a culture, we've sure taken a lot from Jennifer Aniston. I hope we've given her as much as we've taken. And I was like, we definitely haven't. <laughs> oh, I was just imagining her in like a silk slip dress that was the same color as her skin, having like a tropical drink in some playa place. Yeah, like like a, pl- a playa, do you mean? Playa. Playa? <laughs> I always thought it was playa. 
Jennifer Aniston's always on a playa, but does that make up for what the narratives playa. that we've spun around Jennifer Aniston and the things I don't know. done to her? I think she's all right. So I'd love you to read these last words from a 2016 interview with Gawker done by Sean Young. I spent a lot of years in look. I would call it desperation. I saw my career go up in flames, and it was heartbreaking to me. The more I tried to defend myself, the crazier I looked. I didn't understand the rules. I would do it the same. I underwent a lot of sexual harassment, and I know there are probably women who put up with that. I never did, and I paid a high price for that. I'm going to read this one, too, because it makes me sad. The thing I didn't like about the way they wrote the character is they had to make Catwoman crazy, like mentally unstable. Thought it would have been fun to have her be like, yeah, I can kick your ass and not even think about it. I'm that bad. I'm bad to the bone. And it's not because I'm mentally ill. It's because I have an axe to grind with all these guys who've kicked my ass all these years. But it makes me sad the interview had to be with Gawker. I liked Gawker. (laughs) You would. (laughs) You were very mean to me. And my mother. Really? She'll have you know. Hate him. Thank you. I really appreciate your support. (laughs) I'm Lena Dunham. And I'm Alyssa Bennett. We will never call you crazy. The C-Word is a Luminary Media podcast. It is produced by Pineapple Street Media and Good Thing Going Productions. Our producers are Dina Kleiner and Liz Watson. Diane Hodson and Soham Joglakar are our associate producers. Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky are our executive producers. Our theme song is by Liz Fair. Other music is by Matthew McLaughlin and Andrew Miller. Special thanks to Michael Cohen, Sophie Bridges, Melissa Slaughter and Justine Dom. Thanks for listening to this episode, and remember that you can hear all episodes of The C Word only on the Luminary Podcast app. Go to luminarypodcast.com to learn more. I would do literally anything, sign up for anything, if you told me to do it in that tone of voice, Alyssa. 